We are playing a game, and the game runs like this. The only thing you really know is what you can put into words. The whole game that our culture is playing is that nothing really happens unless it's in the newspaper. So we're, when we are at a party and there's a great party, somebody said, it's too bad there wasn't a tape recorder. And so our children begin to feel that they don't exist authentically unless they get their names in the papers. And the fastest way of getting your name in the papers is to commit a crime. And then you'll be photographed, then you'll appear in court, and everybody will notice you. It really happened if it was recorded. In other words, if you shout and it doesn't, doesn't come back an echo, it didn't happen. It's true, the fun with echoes. We all like singing in the bathtub because there's more resonance there. And when we play a musical instrument like a violin or a cello, it has a sounding box because that gives resonance to the sound. And in the same way, the cortex of the human brain enables us when we are happy to know that we are happy. And that gives a certain resonance to it. If you're happy and you don't know you're happy, there's nobody home. But this is the whole problem for us. Several thousand years ago, human beings evolved the system of self-consciousness. And so there came a point in our evolution when we didn't guide life by just trusting our instincts and had to think about it and had to purposely arrange and discipline and push our lives around in accordance with foresight and words and systems of symbols, accountancy, calculation, and so on. And then we worry. Once you start thinking about things, you worry as to whether you've thought enough. Did you really take all the details into consideration? Was every fact properly reviewed? The more you think about it, the more you realize that uh, you really couldn't take everything into consideration because all the variables in any human decision are incalculable. So you get anxiety. And this, though, also, this is the price you pay for knowing that you know, for being able to think about thinking, to feel about feeling. And so you're in this funny position. Do you see that this is simultaneously an advantage and a terrible disadvantage? What has happened here is that by having a certain kind of consciousness, a certain kind of reflexive consciousness, being aware of being aware, being able to represent what goes on fundamentally in terms of a system of symbols, such as words, such as numbers. You put, as it were, two lives together at once, one representing the other. The symbols representing the reality, the money representing the wealth. And if you don't realize that the symbol is really secondary, it doesn't have the same value. If you awaken from this illusion, you can feel yourself, not as a stranger in the world, not as something here on probation, not as something that has arrived here by fluke, but you can begin to feel your own existence as absolutely fundamental what you are basically deep deep down far far in is simply the fabric and structure of existence itself 
when you come into the theater, there is a proscenium arch and a stage and down there is the audience. And everybody assumes their seats in the theater and uh, are going to see a comedy, a tragedy, a thriller or whatever it is. And they all know as they come in and pay their admissions that what is going to happen on the stage is not for real. But the actors have a conspiracy against this because they're going to try and persuade the audience that what is happening on the stage is for real. They want to get everybody sitting on the edge of their chairs. They want to get you terrified or crying or laughing, absolutely captivated by the drama. And if a skillful human actor can take in an audience and make people cry, think what the cosmic actor can do. Why, he can take himself in completely. He can play so much for real that he really believes it is. Like you sitting in this room, you think you're really here. Why, you've persuaded yourself that way. You've acted it so damn well that you know this is the real world. But you're playing it. It's because the audience and the actor is one. Because behind the stage, there's the green room. Off scene, obscene, where the actors take off their masks. You know that the word person means mask? How to be a real person, how to be a genuine fake, a mask. So the dramatis personae at the beginning of a play is the list of masks that the actors will wear. And so in the course of forgetting that this, this life is a drama, the word for the role, the word for the mask has come to mean who you are genuinely, the person, the proper person. So anyway then, this is a drama. I'm not trying to sell you on this idea in the sense of converting you to it. I want you to play with it. I want you to think of its possibilities. I'm not trying to prove it. I'm just putting it forward as a possibility of life to think about. The life you're living is what you have put yourself into. Only you don't admit it because you want to play the game that it's happened to you. Isn't that an optimal game rule for life? Because if you play life on the supposition that you're a helpless little puppet that got involved, or if you play it on the supposition that it's a, a frightful, serious risk and that we really ought to do something about it and uh, so on, it's a drag. There's no point in going on living unless we make the assumption that the situation of life is optimal. That really and truly we are all in a state of total bliss and delight. But we are going to pretend we aren't just for kicks. You play non-bliss in order to be able to experience bliss. And you can go as far out as non-bliss as you want to go. And when you wake up, it'll be great. You know, you can slam yourself on the head with a hammer because it's so nice when you stop. And it makes you realize, you see, how, how great things are when you forget that that's the way it is. So then, here's the drama that there is the central self, you can call it God, you can call it anything you like. And it's all of us. It's playing all the parts of all beings whatsoever, everywhere and anywhere. And it's playing the game of hide and seek with itself. It gets lost, it gets involved in the farthest out adventures. But in the end, it always wakes up and comes back to itself. And when you're ready, to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me.
So it's a question fundamentally. Do you define yourself as a victim of the world or as the world? You can define yourself. You see, if you identify you with what you call the voluntary system of the nerves and say only that's me and that's really a rather limited amount of my total performance, what I do voluntarily, then you've defined yourself as the victim in the game. And so you are able to feel that life was a trap. Something else, whether it was God or whether it was fate or whether it was uh, the big mechanism, the system, imposed this on you. And you can say, poor little me. But you can equally well and with just as much justification define yourself not only as what you do voluntarily but also what you do involuntarily. That's you too. Do you beat your heart or don't you? Or does it just happen to you? And if you define yourself as the works, then nobody's imposing on you. You're not a victim. You're doing it. Because you can't explain how you do it in words because words are too clumsy. And it takes too long to say. You get bored with it. But actually, then you can say, with, with gusto, I am responsible for this life. Whether comedy or tragedy, I did it. And it seems to me that that is a basis for behavior and going on, which is more fundamentally joyous and profitable and uh, great than defining ourselves as miserable victims or sinners or what have you. To stay up to date with our latest videos, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the button above this video.